Good morning, Friends Church. My name is Alita. I'm part of the charitable giving team here at Friends Church. So I just wanted to remind you, if you're not... um, Uh, signed up online or on the app. That's a great way um, to sign up for charitable giving. Um, Just comes out of your account regularly, and it's a really great way for Friends Church to be able to plan forward and know how much is coming in. And if you're not online, there's always our black box at the the back for offering. Um, We encourage you to take advantage of that. Today is our Christmas hamper wrapping after the service. And while I'm up here, I just want to give a plug for our Christmas offering for staff. That's officially happening on the 19th of December. But if you're ready now, by all means, um, at the the black box at the back, you can write on a check that it's for the Christmas offering. Or online or on the app, there is a special button that says for staff offering. So I encourage you to reach out and let these folks know how much um, they mean to us. We really appreciate them. Thank you, Alita. Good morning, everyone. Let me just unwrap myself here. Awesome. Hey, glad you're here this morning. Um, what a great, a great morning to be in the house. So excited to be able to wrap up all these presents, get ready to knock the socks off of some families that are needing a little cheering up this Christmas. It's great. Welcome, everyone. Um, I'm Jeff, if I haven't met you, so good to be here this morning. Look at, um, I, I, I don't know how many took in Vince's message last week, it was the first week of this series, and uh, if you're like me, I was away, but I watched um, online, and I tell you, that thing got me thinking hard, uh, thinking a lot about the kinds of situations in my life that trigger unhealthy reactions in me, they trigger me, they get me fired up and acting in ways that I, I, I later regret often. Uh, and, I mean, as I've been contemplating this, there, there are a number of situations I, that come to my mind right away, but there was one in particular, and it's a pattern. If you've been around here a long time, you've probably heard me mention it before. Um, and it happens at home with my family, especially when we're getting ready to host some people or have some people come over. Um, I begin to notice things around the house that aren't put away. Anyone have this thing go on? But it's like, all of a sudden, something that didn't bother me before now is really, like, really bothering me. I'm just... I'm noticing things that maybe had been, I don't know. But I, I don't know what even, for many years, it would just sneak up. And I'd start feeling a little bit panicked. I'd be kind of, hey, hey, hey. And I'd see these things. And, I, and, then, and then the anxiety turns into anger sometimes. And all of a sudden, I'm barking at family members going, is that yours? And they're like, dad, chill, yeah. Okay. It's like, can you, how long is that? Why do you? And then, and then what about, to the point where yeah, I just start getting worked up. And they're trying to talk to me, and I, I can't even hardly hear them. Now I'm pissed. And they're, try, they're like, Dad, and someone's telling a story. I'm not even hearing them. I'm just, sometimes I'll, find myself accusing in those moments. You're always doing that. How many times do I have to... I'll say mean things sometimes. And then... And then people come over and it's like... Life goes on, right? And then... And then it's afterwards I can feel the residue of the hurt that I've caused. Kathy's not responding to me and I'm like going... What's the problem? It's almost like I've completely forgot about me losing my mind a few hours earlier. You ever felt that? I often, over the years, could never catch it until it was too late. 
would take over and then by that point the damage was done. That's just one of the patterns that I've watched. As embarrassing as it is to admit that, I know I'm not alone. Many of us are being subconsciously triggered by things that are happening around us. People, the people are doing, the people are saying or not doing or not saying. Life happens and all of a sudden it's like, someone doesn't respond to your text soon enough. Someone makes you late. You just temporarily... Maybe someone gives you a piece of critical feedback. Maybe someone puts you on the spot asking you to make a decision on your own. A big one. Without any ability to consult anyone. Maybe someone dismisses something you say. You see, these, these triggering experiences, they happen in so many different parts of our lives. And they're happening. And it brings out something inside us, this emotional, this unhealthy reaction that often leaves carnage in its wake, either in little ways or in big ways. Lashing out, criticizing, slamming doors, blaming people. We just come out of character. We lose ourselves. Giving people the silent treatment. Refusing to turn, return their texts or their calls. These are all unhealthy reactions, tri- often triggered by something going on. What's so insidious is that we're often doing these to the people we love most. Our partners, our kids, our family, uh, close friends. We're often looking at them in the eyes going, um... I'm sorry about that. And once or twice, they're going, hey, big deal. A a pattern of it happening pretty soon, the, the, the apologies fall flat. Scar tissue builds up, resentments build up, yeah. When I began to spot my patterns, how I was doing this. And then, I, and then I'd find myself, oh, I just did it again. It got more and more painful. I, I would vow to my family, I'm, not, I, I, I'm done doing that. I now see what I've done. I'm not doing that again. And then I do it again. And then I do it again. And every time I try to make it better, it gets harder. Let me ask you something. Is it possible to change these things? Is it possible to change these unhealthy, triggering reactions that we have? Like, are we sentenced to a lifetime of these triggered responses? Do we just have to look at people and say, well, I am who I am. This, this is how I do things. Or you know me. You know how that bothers me. Is that what we have to end up saying? And those loved ones have to look at you and say, I guess this is the treatment I'm going to get right to the end. Or is it possible to uproot these patterns? Change our default responses to the ones around us to to healthy and productive ways reacting I got great news for you I believe it is possible I believe we can break these patterns but I'm going to be straight up with you it is going to take a pile of work depending on how woven in your patterns of reacting to life are That's really the purpose of this series. We're trying to help us see the patterns and minimize them. Start uprooting them and changing these, what can be generational patterns, stuff we've seen in our own parents, in our own families, that become normal. 
So this morning, I want to talk about six common patterns. Six of them. I'm leaning on the work of Dr. Nicole LaPera. You've heard me talk about this girl. If you follow her on Instagram, the holistic psychologist, she, she is unbelievable. She has money. And if you haven't, if you don't follow her posts, I don't know what you're doing. If you're on Instagram, I'm telling you, every post she, she puts out there is just, I can see myself in the things she's talking about. She's, so this book is called How to Do the Work. Subtitle is Recognize Your Patterns, Heal from Your Past, Create Yourself. She's the one that put me onto these six archetypes, common patterns of reacting, common patterns of, re, of, of responding to life. And I, I want to I go through them. Now, this morning, you may likely identify with at least one of these. I could identify with a number of them, to be honest. But you may not. I'm not saying that these are exhaustive, and she's careful to say that they're not exhaustive. But chances are, if you don't personally, you know someone who does. And this will make sense of a lot of stuff you're watching, experiencing, feeling. So I need you to really pay attention through this. Because if you can't see your patterns, there's no hope in heck of changing them. Guaranteed. Let's jump in, can we? Let me ask you something. Are you the kind of person that's never really made a fuss about what you're needing and feeling? Do you tend to deny or ignore what you want? Refusing to ask for things. Someone says, what you want for dinner? Your response is, well, what do you want? What do you want to watch on TV? Well, what do you want? What should we watch tonight? What kind of movie? I don't care. You decide. There's a sense of, it's not about me, it's about you. Oh, well, I was going to go, oh, okay, um, that's fine. I'll just change this and yeah, I'll come with you. Hey, I need this for you. Oh, are, are you doing anything? Uh, no, no, uh, forget it. I, I can come. What do you need? Recognize this? But then at some point, you reach a breaking point. This might happen in little ways or big ways where you, you, something kind of snaps where you begin to feel like, okay, look it, I'm not asking for what I need, but you guys aren't picking up what I'm really needing. And I'm feeling ignored. I'm feeling dismissed. I'm feeling like my needs are getting neglected and now I'm angry. Now you haven't come out and asked for what you need. You don't necessarily do that if you're this kind of archetype. You just hope and pray that someone's going to pick up the cues and respond. But when they don't, and all of a sudden you reach that point, you might not even say anything. You won't scream and yell. You won't confront them. You'll just maybe do it in more passive-aggressive ways. You'll withhold things. Without actually saying it, you've learned certain things that you can withhold. That lets them know there's a problem without telling them there's a problem. They're going, what the hell? Why are you acting this way? I'm fine. Hmm? Can you or someone you know, can you spot it happening? What is that about? What is that pattern? This archetype typically shows up in a person who has had Early in their lifetime, a parent figure who at some point in their life kind of denied their reality. This is just, again, absolute no. But typically, a kid may come home telling his mom, I don't, I don't like that family member. I don't, I don't feel comfortable around them. And their parent might say, oh, honey, he's just trying to be nice. You be polite to him. Don't you be rude. Kid comes home from school. No one's sitting with me at lunch, traumatized by it. Oh, honey, that happens. It's only the first day. Don't be a baby. Just suck it up. Kid hurts his arm. He's crying. Come on, kid. Be a man. What happens? There's a, a denial of reality. And what happens internally is without anyone, those parents for sure not intending to do it, parental figures 
No one's looking, trying to do this to anyone. They're thinking they're helping, but, but in doing that, that kid begins to take on signals that what they're feeling isn't legitimate. What they're needing isn't legitimate. And so they spend their lives suppressing and denying their own personal needs. They get on into adult life, and what ends up happening, they're confused. They don't even know necessarily what they're needing, and they sure aren't asking for it. Because what they've learned through their upbringing is that if they start asking for it, it's going to get shut down or they're going to get told it's not real. Can you track back the actual conversation? Likely not. And that's not even constructive, but can you see the pattern? It's key. Let's talk about another archetype. This pattern... Sorry, let me move on. Next one. This is a common pattern of those who grew up in homes where they... Oh, no, sorry. Do you know someone who just avoids the spotlight at all costs? They don't want to draw any attention to themselves. Don't you dare sing happy birthday to them in front of a group of people. Don't call them out. Don't play a joke on them while, while everyone's watching. Don't ask them for their opinion in front of a group of people. These kinds of people who are very nervous about being seen, being put out in front, put on the spotlight... They tend to hide. They like to hide. They like to, they'll often be attracted to big personalities who will walk into the room and steal all the oxygen. They'll hide right behind them. Do you know anyone like that? Rarely sharing publicly, like little mice that are just sliding in behind people. Very uncomfortable with any attention. Recognize that? you recognize that in yourself? Do you recognize that in someone else you know? What's that about? This is a common pattern of those who grew up in homes where they needed, um, they needed to be seen and not heard. That was a common generational style of parenting at one point, where parents believed that kids really had very basic needs. Just keep them fed, keep them clothed, and then get out of here. I got problems. Often, parents of these kinds of kids were often overwhelmed. They were just in survival mode. They're just trying to keep life together. And if their kid ever made a disturbance or needed help or was overly needy, it was like they could react to them. They're often emotionally immature. And they would punish their kid if they were crying too much, if they're needing too much. It's just like, please, leave. Get out of here. God business to do. We're busy here. Can't you see? Never intentional. Let's just assume that. What does that communicate to kids involved in that environment? They're realizing, I cannot be needy here. I cannot be drawing attention because when I do that, something gets withheld. The love, the nurture, the care that they're so craving goes away. So these are often the kids that learned to always keep their room tidy. They're often the ones that just never created any drama in the home. They never worried their parents. In fact, often they could be the parent better than their parents. Why? Because if they could just hold that together, then their parents say, oh, I love you. You're such a good kid. I don't know what I would have done if you were one of them. So what do they do? They practice being small. Practice not being seen. The problem is, is they need to be seen. That's a human need. They need to be heard. They need to be validated. And then at some point, even though they, it, 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 it kind of twists them up because they're so desperately wanting someone to see them and feel them and acknowledge them, but they're scared to. You can see the conflict that would create inside someone in this archetype. You recognize that? Do you know someone that's like that? These are the islands in attachment theory. 
they've often learned to live in their own little world, try to meet their own needs because they can't count on someone else to do it. Let's move on. So that's two. Have you ever struggled to make decisions on your own? Maybe you found yourself constantly needing to consult someone, perhaps your partner, a parent figure, maybe a friend, maybe mentor types in your life. You're always clinging on to them, asking them, what, oh, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think? I'm, I'm debating, what, what is your thought on this? Do you know someone like that? You find it necessary to, to talk everything out, sometimes multiple times with multiple people. Because you're trying to figure out actually what you do think or feel. It's not easy. It doesn't come to you normally. Someone says, well, what are your thoughts on it? I don't know. What do you... I've watched this in small groups. Comes to a person, they just shut down, paralyzed. It's almost triggering for them when someone asks, what do you think on this? Pass. What's that about? This is a common for those who grew up with a parent figure who was quite controlling. Now, can, can I just stop for a second? This is not to blame or to, to point fingers at parents. I know that this is going to happen already. If you're a parent, you're already going, I think I'm doing that. Hey, trust me. I've been here, all right? I know I'm painful. This isn't about blaming. This is about seeing patterns. Blaming and pointing fingers helps no one. That's not the purpose of this. Most of our parent figures in our lives who engage in this kind of behavior likely saw it from their parents. These are generational patterns that just get normalized again and again. So for this kind of person who struggles to make decisions, struggles to know what they think or feel, often come from a very controlling parental figure environment. Often parents will live no, I shouldn't say often. Some parents will live vicariously through their kids. They didn't get the life that they wanted. They now want their kid to experience what they couldn't have. So what happens? They amp up the control and the pressure. Why? Because they're worried the kid is going to make a mistake. He's going to fail. So what do they do? They start managing all their decisions, trying to hold them in this place where they can win. And their kid's win is their win. And they don't even see it. But all of a sudden, every little decision, they're micromanaging, watching over, whatever. Kid says, oh, I'm going to wear that. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not saying that. No, you're not going out. You're too... Control, control. Why? They don't realize I need you to win. And so I'm going to do everything I can. What ends up happening is all decision making gets taken away. Kid hits adulthood and all of a sudden decisions are coming at them and they don't know what to do. Can you recognize that pattern? You freeze when you're put on the spot to make decisions. You get nervous. Do you, do you struggle to trust your own instincts, your own wisdom, your own intuition? Are you constantly leaning on everyone else because you think they'll know better than you? Can you spot that pattern in you or someone you know? Let's move on. How often do you find yourself comparing your life to the lives of others that you see. See if you kind of measure up in some superficial level or way. Maybe you're, you compare the home that you live in compared to others. The kind of car you drive. Maybe how many relationships you have or how good your marriage is. How good your kids are compared to other kids. How you look how much you weigh, how much you aging compared to someone else. Oh man, the comparisons can go all over the place. How often do you find yourself consumed with maintaining an image that you present to the outside world? How careful are you curating that image, making sure people don't see the broken, the untidy, the chaotic parts of your life? What happens when some part of your life ends up sticking out that you don't want seen. Get caught without wearing makeup. Someone walks in, your house is a mess. 
Maybe some part of your life feels broken and it gets revealed. And those are revealing moments. Do you feel the trigger? It's me. This is part of that thing that I got going on when people are coming over and I don't want them to see some part of my life that I don't think is perfect. Which is kind of stupid. Because I'm, you know me. I'm the farthest thing from perfect. But somehow in my head, something's going on. I, I'm worried. Down deep, I'm worried. If they see something that's broken, what will that do to our friendship? What will that do to the way they think of me? Now, even as I'm saying that, it's embarrassing. I'm going, how stupid. But it's a pattern woven in. It's there. These patterns often follow someone who grew up with a parent figure that was overly focused on appearance. Because whether they knew it or not, they likely had an oversized need for outside validation. They needed people to say, look at you. I love my parents. Some of the people that have been so influential in my life, please, my mom will probably hear this. Mom, you need to know. You didn't mean to. And my dad. <laughs> and th- this, uh, you know, we can obsess over a kid's appearance, ensuring that their kid is presentable at all times. It can go beyond just personal appearance. It can be just the way the family externally presents itself to the world. Carl needs to be washed and shiny. The carpet's freshly vacuumed, rooms nightly, nicely tidied. Every part of your life that can be seen needs to be in order because that's what garners the approval and the thumbs up. I would have never described my parent figures and step-parents as extremely appearance-conscious. They weren't freaks that way. But I can see little patterns, the things that I got rewarded for when they were right. And I know that they would have never intended that. Parents who are focused overly on appearance. All right, let's move on. What's this, number five? Let me ask you, how often do you find yourself struggling to say no to someone? Even though you know you shouldn't be saying no. But for some reason you just can't. So you say, yes, okay, sure, I can help. Maybe it's an invitation to a party that you really don't want to go to, or you can't afford to be going to. You've been so tired, and, but you feel the expectation, and you, okay. Maybe it's a project or a favor someone asks you. The boss loads one more thing on your plate, and you know, you said in your mind over the last week, I gotta stop saying no, but you can't, or it feels like you can't. Something inside you just panics at the idea of disappointing or pissing off someone. So you keep signing up, keep saying yes. But then later, you just hate yourself for it. And somehow inside you start resenting these people that are asking, even though you're saying yes, you, you become angry at them. Can you recognize that pattern? Time and again, you may have asked yourself, why don't people appreciate what I'm doing? Why do they just keep asking? Why do they keep taking? Something inside you is screaming in that triggered moment. Stop taking advantage of me. 
spot any of that? Where does that come from? According to the experts, this often happens for those who grew up in environments that didn't model boundaries very well. Likely, the people in your life didn't understand even how to use them or maintain them themselves. So sometimes a parent will read their kid's diary. They'll go into the room unannounced, start scouring through all their stuff, looking for things that they shouldn't have. And if they find anything, there's a public shaming. Look what I found. What are you doing with... Sometimes a parent will start talking with their kid about the other parent. We see this in ex relationships. And please, I am not trying to point the blame. You're going, oh my God, I've done all this. Relax. We need to just see it though, right? In those environments, a kid hears way too much and all of a sudden the conflict being torn between parents. That's just another example. Messy boundaries. Kid can't handle all that information. But you get enough of that role model and pretty soon you end up in adult life and you don't believe that saying no is an option. You've never had that drawn out. and No limits. You just say yes. You just say yes, thinking if I say no, that could affect our relationship. Can you spot any of that going on? Boundary issues. Another archetype. All right, let's move on. This is the last one. Do you ever struggle to calm yourself down after someone upsets you? Perhaps you get in an argument with your partner and at some point it's just escalating, escalating. And then finally the person says, I'm done. We're not talking about this. But you can't have that for an answer. You're going, oh no, 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 you're not walking away from me. We're talking about this. They're going, no, I'm done. No! And you're revved up. This happens often. The other person's going, oh my God, it's three in the morning. Why can't you just let this go? We can talk about this. No. Maybe someone cuts you off in traffic. 20 minutes later, you are still riled. You come into work, people are going, are you all right? You're just agitated, annoyed. You're like, and you tell the story again and then you're on the phone Yeah, well, it's just like triggers this long reaction in your day you can't compartmentalize you can't take that thing and just park it it just starts bleeding into other parts of your life anyone recognize that pattern what's behind that this last archetype is common in the people who experienced parental figure who couldn't regulate their emotions. They couldn't keep it under control. And so when they got agitated, it was like all hell breaking loose, man. Slamming doors. If it was really bad, they might chuck something. They're screaming, yelling. It's like everyone's like, stay out of the way. Get out of the way. Dad's home and he's not happy. Don't worry, kids are moving in. We're doing something at the end of this. Just relax. Think about Chloe. Her mom would get so upset. Something bad would happen. Her mom would just freak. She was a door slammer. Screaming at the kids. For Chris, his dad did the opposite. When something bad happened, he just shut down. You got the silent treatment sometimes for days. Whole family, he, wasn't, he just wasn't talking. What's that about? What is that? Let's talk about emotional regulation. Did you know when you, something bad happens in your life and all of a sudden you're flooded with all these negative emotions, a normal, healthy pattern would be able to sit in that emotion, to feel it, feel the anger or feel the disappointment, feel the, the betrayal, whatever those ugly feelings are, and sit with them. In ninja level, you go, what am I feeling right now? I'm feeling betrayed. That's what I'm feeling right now. And you're not lashing out. You're not freaking out. No, you 
sit with them. And then over time, what ends up happening is you name those emotions. Everything starts calming down. And they pass. They move on. That is what healthy emotional regulation looks like. You're not taking it out on everyone. You might want to talk about it with someone. But you're able to name the emotion, let it pass through, and then you go, okay, all right, now what? doesn't mean you, it just goes away, but your ability to be able to hold yourself together in the midst of these crazy things. You might be crying, oh, all those things are normal, that's fine. But you're not punishing people in the process. People that tend to freak out and can't soothe themselves often were exposed to environments where that wasn't role modeled. What became normal was the overreaction. These are called waves in attachment theory. They don't know how to soothe themselves. They're needing someone to come along and go, hey, you okay? Come on, let's chat. Come on, shh, 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 shh. it's all right. All of a sudden, oh, thanks, man. We have boys, one of them is like this, and I remember when he was young, he'd be upset at night, and I, if I was angry, and he was upset, and I would shut him off, it would wind, wound him up so high, and so frustrating. What was he needing? He was needing me to come close, and go, hey, hey, come here, come here. And then all of a sudden, you start calming down. Do you recognize that pattern? Do you need someone to be able to talk you out of what it is going on? Emotional inability and inability to emotionally regulate. Okay, I've talked about six patterns here. Have you spotted one? Have you spotted a number of them? I'm telling you, I'm like, I could go through this list and go, yep, 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 yep. (laughs) Different times in my life especially, but there's a couple of these that stick out in me. It's important that we learn, that we see, and that we understand these patterns. That's your hope out. I've got great news for you. No matter what has happened in your life, no matter what, which ones of these patterns got you by the throat going, I can't stop myself, I keep doing this, and now I'm doing it to my kids. Your way out is first of all understanding these things, seeing them, staring at the ugly pattern that you've, and, and just acknowledging it. Not pointing blame, but just going, okay, that's, that's it, right there. In order to heal, it starts by seeing. And I'm telling you, that first stage of seeing it, it becomes really painful. When you're ignorant to your pattern, you can do it a million times. And cause be blaming the other person, going, I don't know what her problem is. She gets so upset when I... <sighs> hmm. But when you see it, Oh, then it becomes like a migraine. <laughs> We're consciously incompetent. That's that stage. It's like, I don't want to do it, but I just did it. Oh, I don't want to do it, I just did it. Next week, Vince is coming back to talk about the next, next stage of healing where we start to minimize the triggers. We start to study what's going on here. And we start looking for more adaptive, more productive coping strategies than what we've learned. You will not want to miss that. Because I'm telling you, this is great news for you. I don't care where you've been or what's happened, how much this thing's got you by the throat, there is hope to change the patterns. We can undo the generational patterns that have become so normal in your family. Have you ever heard people say, oh, well, we're all like this. Our families, we just do it that way. Bullshit. You've learned that. And that's become normal, but it doesn't have to be. And you might be the one that stops the trend. And you think about this for a second, because likely, if you've got kids in the family, who wants to sign up their kid for another lifetime of what you've been doing that's been causing pain? I know I don't. I don't think you do either. So we've got to heal. All right. Don't miss next week. For this week, what you need to do is look at these patterns, six of them. Find... If you can find it in there, pick up this book. I can't, I, I would buy one for everyone in this, in this room if I could. This is an incredible resource. Sign up for the 
holistic psychologist on, online, Instagram, you read through those posts. You want to find your pattern, she will help you. Painfully at your own demise, yes. <laughs> you do your homework this week, you spot your pattern, then you come back next week. It's going to be, it's going to be amazing. All right. That's all I got there. I hope and pray that one day, see one day, and I don't know how many years into the future, we got a pile of kids here. Our whole switch ministry is sitting up in the balcony. We got kids downstairs for the life, for the love of our kids. Do your homework. I don't want to perpetuate the pain onto them. And one day down the road, we're going to look at the way our families are taking shape. And we will celebrate because these patterns will be broken. That's the goal. All right? Take your homework seriously this week. All right. That's over. I got something exciting and sad to do right now. Dreading this, kind of. Well, and I'm excited about this. Conflicted. Carmen, I want you to come up here. This is a day that... uh, Uh, we're uh, saying goodbye to Carmen. <laughs> Don't mind us. We haven't had this moment yet, and I'm d- d- dreading this. If you haven't met Carmen, Carmen has been a part of our team since 2003. He's been a part of this community since we opened the doors back in 99. Carmen and I go back to junior high and high school. He has uh, led our switch student ministry. If you're a parent or if you've had kids in this program, you know how meaningful the work of Carmen and his team have been. It's changed my kids' life. All three of my kids changed them. And I owe, as a parent, so much to you and your team. Carmen, I'm sad to see you go, but I'm just so grateful. Grateful for the time we've had and for the work you put in here. I look up at all those kids up there and I'm just... Celebrating, celebrating, because we're, we're raising champions who are going to change the world. And uh, it's largely due to the work that you've done. Carmen, um, highlights. Looking back, what has been 18, 18 years, holy shit. Like, that's like, uh, that's like probably almost 10 times the average length of a youth pastor in the church. Like, the guy's like, a dinosaur in youth ministry, and it's just amazing. So great. What m- memories, highlights? Yeah, the, the highlights are. Oh, sorry, let me grab this. The highlights are are too many to yeah. to talk about. Like every every time we get together is a highlight. Uh, one of the simplest things is like I was saying to them. We, Seeing you walk through the door on a Sunday morning when you could be sleeping and, and deciding to show up and make a difference in your world and look at the world differently and create a safe environment where each of you can just be yourself, like, that's a highlight. Yeah. And you've done that. You've done that so well, mm-hmm. you and your team. They've all done it. Like, yeah. it's, it's a collective. It's not, like, without, if, unless every one of us signs up for that, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. And they all do. They just keep doing it. Yeah. We're proud of this group of kids that are part of this switch ministry. I know people are going to be asking what's happening. Why did you quit? Why? It was so good. What are you doing? The thing about this job is like there, there's no natural end point, like other than death, right? Like, like, Thankfully it didn't come to that, yeah. You know, like normally I guess like maybe three years, but once you're like 18 years in, they're like, you you don't have an excuse, like just keep doing it, what the heck? Um, But like I got married 25 years ago, went on my honeymoon, it was the first time I had gone somewhere warm, and in that moment a seed was planted, I was like, one day I'll live by the ocean. Like this is, it just... My demeanor, my, I mean, I have a great demeanor here, but like my demeanor there, it just, everything is just, 
it's different. Like I, I'm not a cold weather person. I'm like 50 years in the cold has been like, I've done my time. I'm going to like, you know, talk about changing things for future generations. And my boys are like, thank you for like forcing, like I didn't force them, but they decided to come along. Um, so I've been dreaming for a, a few years now. And, um, end of September, we went to Costa Rica and visited a little community and, and within hours of arriving there, I was like, this is home for the next chapter. <laughs> and so um, nothing's a lifelong decision, but we kind of, to get past that hurdle in our head, said, like, let's commit to a year. Let's just do it. And so we literally sold everything, and everything I own is in my van right now. And Going next hard. Saturday night, I fly to Costa Rica to surprise my family. And right on. Uh, they've been there like a month and a half already, so it'll be nice to be back together with them. Right on. Well, we know that you are not saying goodbye to the community outside not of your... All your staff role, and uh, we're going to miss you around here. Thank you. Thank you for everything you've done, man. Appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah, come here, buddy. Uh, okay, um, this is the happy part of the announcement because I'm just so excited to introduce you to, I'll give you that, Ryan. This is Ryan Doggart. And this, Ryan is the man that's going to be filling the shoes of Carmen's, taking, taking over the reins here. Um, Ryan, I don't know if Karina's here. Is Karina here? Oh, there she is. There's Karina, uh, Ryan's wife. Uh, good to see you. So uh, I, w- I want you to meet Ryan. Um, Ryan, so Friends Church wasn't, isn't a new thing for you. You've been a part of this community. How long? Uh, about three years of volunteering at Switch and about four years, four years at the church. Right on. Three years involved in Switch and, um, and four years at the church. This is so great when we have someone who understands what we're doing, understands the DNA and the composition, who, who signed up to volunteer because they believe in the ministry and what they're doing, that then shows up and says, hey, I, yeah, I'll throw my hat in the ring. I was just so excited. Carmen, Carmen um, said to me when, when he announced his resignation, and he's like, if there is one guy I can think of that could step into this thing, and I was like, oh, please. And then Ryan's like, yeah, yeah, I want to apply for that thing. So excited. You know, it's amazing. So, Ryan, you're actually a Red Seal chef, a uh, pastry chef. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So he's got the goods, man. You want to eat, man? This guy's got, he's already been cooking up a storm for the kids. My son, Austin, says, that guy knows his stuff in the kitchen. That guy's amazing. And uh, already, you're unique. We've talked a lot about how you would like to add your own skills and passions to, to shape this, this ministry. I'm so excited how the vision that you have and the way that you're looking at incorporating your own abilities into the mix. Um, can you just maybe just talk about what you hope to achieve going down the road? What's your vision for this thing? Yeah. Uh, so first and foremost, I think, is to provide like a safe place for the, your teens. Is, and that goes for the leaders as well. Like as a leader there, the thing that I, we were talking about downstairs earlier is we all feel safe. We're a part of a safe community there and that is like number one the most important thing for everyone that we have this place to go on Sundays we can just be ourselves and sometimes in this world that's a rare thing and so number one is that love it love it um and then sort of moving into the future from there I think it's really staying the course Carmen has done an amazing job of setting a great course for Switch. And so nothing needs to be changed there, honestly. I I think I'm just going to bring some of my own sort of spin on events using my own creative skills are different than Carmen's. And so Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to bringing some of that abstract thinking, I guess, that I um, bring to the table and creating some really unique ways for teens and volunteers to make a difference in their worlds. Right on. Yeah. And that's always been it. We want to help support parents 
and support these kids to get out there and leave a mark in their world. And I, I know that that vision and mission is safe in your hands, Ryan. Ryan, right now, um, in another capacity, is teaching students cooking out in Airdrie, high school students. And so this will be a part-time position. He'll do that and do this at the same time. And we're just going to we're gonna see where it all goes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're just we're thrilled to have you on board. Um, I'm just going to encourage you in your own time and especially all you parents who are woven in through this switch thing, take time to get to know Ryan and Karina, his beautiful wife, and um, let's show our support as they transition. Carmen is going to be flying out this Saturday, the 11th. So if you have an opportunity to hug him uh, virtually or elbow him or whatever you need to do, please take care of that. Thank you. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you. Glad to have you aboard. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to say just one other thing. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. please. Um, So just as a little side blurb, since I got the stage now, (laughs) I just kind of took over your service. Um, So if anyone is interested, because I originally volunteered from Switch by hearing about it from Jeff. So I was attending Friends Church. I didn't know what it was. I didn't even know it was a youth group. Uh, He was talking about Switch and Project Mexico, and I was like, that's something I want to get involved in. I reached out to Carmen. We had coffee, and I was like, oh, it's a youth group. Okay. And, you know, uh, I was a little bit nervous because, honestly, uh, I hadn't worked with teens before that. But, honestly, that moment changed my life. I switched jobs. I went on to be a teacher after uh, volunteering a switch. And so... I didn't know that pattern. That's amazing. So, if anyone listening or out there in Cyberland is listening and they're wanting to volunteer a switch, please reach out to me. Um, it's ryanafriendsearch.ca. Uh, cell phone is 587-581-3255 because we need some volunteers. So. That was yeah. a good pitch right there. All right. So, if, if that's one of you, uh, get on that. All right. Ryan will be around. We're going to be in the, in the social hall right now wrapping gifts. So, if... Uh, if you want to chat with them, all the Switch kids are in. we got all hands on deck getting these gifts wrapped. That's what happens next. Anyways, thank you, everyone, for joining us this morning. You got homework. Don't forget your homework this week, all right? Get ready. Teed up for next week. We'll see you in the social if you can join us. If not, no guilt, no pressure, all right? Uh, just let us know who you are. We want to keep you on the list, all right? No, I'm joking. Have a great week, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.